Hi, I'm Dan Pramack, and welcome to Axios Recap. Today's Thursday, July 23rd. Weekly jobless claims are up for the first time since March. Stocks are down, and we're focused on the next front in America's economic cold war with China. Earlier this week, Republican Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri introduced legislation aimed at stemming the use of forced and slave labor by American corporations, particularly those that run much of their supply chains through China. Here are the details. Hawley's bill would require any U.S. company with global revenue of at least $500 million to implement an annual independent audit of its supply chain to uncover the use of child labor, slave labor, or forced labor, as defined by U.S. law. This would include both direct and indirect suppliers, and the audit would then be sent to the U.S. Labor Department. It also would be posted on the company's website and certified by the company's CEO. Violations could result in hundreds of millions of dollars in fines. Why it matters is that slave labor is, well, slave labor. It's people being forced to work against their will, in this case for the bottom line of for-profit corporations. It's the sort of thing that companies like Nike and Apple which regularly profess their progressive bona fides, don't like to talk too much about. It also matters because Hawley's bill feels like a broader effort to economically decouple the U.S. from China, which may well continue no matter who's in the Oval Office next January. Let's now go deeper with Josh Hawley, Republican senator from Missouri. Senator, with this bill, this forced labor bill you introduced last week, it's international in scope. But is it fair to say that this is, from your perspective, really aimed at companies doing business or having supply chains in China? Well, certainly China is one of the biggest offenders in the world, probably the biggest offender when it comes to forced slave labor. In the Uyghur concentration camps, and the more we learn about those, the more horrific they seem, they are. We've seen the images, I'm sure, many of your listeners have, of those Uyghurs being loaded onto trains, their heads shaved, their arms bound, forced at gunpoint onto the trains to be taken off at the concentration camp, and they're making products. So China is a huge, huge offender. But there are others, too. I mean, we see forced labor all over the world, and there are major American corporations, Starbucks, for instance, sources from workers in Brazil who are forced laborers. And so it's a worldwide problem. China, though, is in many ways the epicenter. Can I ask about some of the pragmatics of this bill? And tell me if I get any of this wrong, but one of the things it would require is the companies that have over $500 million in annual revenue would have to do an audit of their supply chain. That audit would have to be supplied to the Department of Labor and also then published on their own websites in some fairly visible way. How granular would those audits have to be? And I ask from the context, I would think some companies would view the specifics of their supply chain as trade secret. They've got to be specific enough that we can tell where the various inputs are coming from. And so what we don't want to see and wouldn't permit are sort of shells that you're unable to trace back to any particular company, any particular supplier in a particular region. So we've got to be able to know where the inputs are coming from, where the various pieces of the supply chain, if there are products inside that supply chain, where they're being sourced from, purchased from. And then also the CEOs have to certify the disclosure. They've got to make this disclosure that their supply chains are free of forced slave labor, and the CEOs themselves have to certify it. So you've got multiple levels there of accountability and uh, hopefully leading to enforceability because the penalties here are fines, steep fines and penalties if they do not comply with these requirements. 
Let's say you've got a brand or a company in the U.S. that sincerely wants to follow this law, were it to become law, and they hire a firm to do the audit, because obviously that's how you'd have to do it. You want an independent auditor, and the independent auditor is just not able to do it with a 100% degree of certainty. Would the company still be liable? Because this seems, and tell me I'm wrong about this, it's a very hard thing for an auditor to know for sure if an overseas supplier is using forced labor or not, to a certain degree of difficulty. Our law contains, and it's a familiar feature in our laws, uh, to contain a good faith standard. I think certainly that would apply here if they've got to make a good faith judgment and a good faith disclosure. Now, good faith, though, is not the same thing as a lick and a prayer, where we just sort of, oh, I'll throw it up there and we're not sure if it's right or not. They've got to actually do the audit. They've actually got to do the disclosure. They've got to do the certification, and they've got to put forward facts that, to the best of their knowledge, are true and accurate. And if they have forced or slave labor in their supply chains, then they've got to come up with a remediation plan, and they've got to disclose that as well. So again, lots of layers of accountability here. And it is tough. It's meant to be tough. That's the whole point, and it's meant to introduce accountability. Since you proposed this, have you heard directly from any major American companies? Well, I think it is safe to say that we have certainly heard from many very nervous companies, from their lobbyist arms, who call and say, oh, my gosh, is this, are you serious about this? Would this actually apply to us? And our answer is, yes, I'm dead serious about it. And yes, it would apply to you. If you're within the terms of the legislations we propose it, yes, and you would actually have to follow it. I think that these companies, so often, what they want to do is change the subject. They want to say, well, listen, we gave uh, $250 million to this or that charity over here. We're very socially responsible. We believe in social justice. Well, fine. If you believe in social justice, show me. Put your actions where your money is and actually eradicate slave labor from your supply chain. Senator, let me ask the question from the other side. Where are you in terms of getting co-sponsors for this? Well, we are shopping this widely. I think it's fair to say we moved quickly on this because it's a huge priority for me. And I felt the moment was right. This is a time when I think the public is focused on justice issues. And frankly, I'm also tired of the hypocrisy from these major multinational corporations. And they needed to be called out. I mean, to have all of these corporations now parading around talking about how responsible they are, how woke they are. I mean, it's really absurd. Again, when you look at how they make their money, let's talk about how they're making their money. But to your point, I hope that we'll have a lot of co-sponsors. There shouldn't be a part partisan issue. I think a lot of people care and should care about trafficking, about forced labor, about slave labor. So I'm hopeful we can build a big coalition here. I understand the way the bill is written and it's in compliance with U.S. law, but why wouldn't U.S. prison labor being used by for-profit corporations, why wouldn't that be considered forced labor? Why shouldn't that be considered forced labor? Prison labor, I think it is a different category. It's the result of the criminal justice system. Isn't that what China would argue about some of these people? Well, of course they would. And this is why there's no avoiding making a substantive judgment. I mean, listen, if you think that China is not an authoritarian regime, if you think that it provides its citizens due process of law, and if you think that the Uyghur concentration camps are equivalent to the American justice system, then you're not going to like my legislation. But if you think that there's actually a difference there, that there is a moral distinction, that shipping people off to re-education camps at the threat of penalty of their life without any process whatsoever, only because they are a religious minority and they won't bend the knee to your authoritarian regime, if you think that that's wrong and that that is fundamentally different from how we live and should live in the United States of America, then I think you'd want to do something about it. Senator, final question for you, just on a different topic since I have you. I know the stimulus talks have been complicated, a little rocky. Do you think President Trump will be happy with where it lands, given that many of your GOP colleagues are not supportive of some of his priorities, such as the payroll tax cut? 
I have no idea because I have no idea where it's going to land. I haven't the faintest idea what ultimately the legislation is going to look like if there is legislation. I have no idea what the priorities are. I have no idea what the path forward is. I mean, right now it looks like to me a grab bag of this interest group wants this and this interest group wants that. I don't sense any theme or coherence or purpose to this process yet. And I can tell you for my part, I'm not going to support any further relief spending by this Congress that is not rigorously focused on jobs, on getting people back to work, on getting workers, their economic security, on giving family security. We need to be focused on jobs, 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 and rehiring. I've got my own proposals about how to do that, but I'm not going to support some grab bag of giveaways that doesn't actually get people back to work. You said if. Does that mean you think there's a chance that there will not be a phase four stimulus passed before the August recess? I don't know. I don't know. I don't have any sense now of of uh, where this process is headed or what its terminus may be. I think it's fair to say it's in a bit of disarray at the moment, and uh, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. I think what is clear, however, if you see the recent jobless numbers, first-time unemployment claims, is that we continue to have a major unemployment problem. We've got way too many people out of work. We've got way too much job insecurity out there, and that's what we need to be focused on. Senator Josh Hawley, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Welcome back. What we're watching today is the coronavirus, which is a good news, bad news situation. The good news is that the pace of new cases slowed over the past week, going from a seven-day rolling average of 20% to 7%. The bad news? 7% growth is still very, very high, working out to around 66,000 diagnosed infections per day. And within the numbers, 24 of the 50 states did see increases of at least 10%. Today, we're also watching the latest in the retail apocalypse, as the parent company of Ann Taylor, Justice, and Lane Bryant filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. It's a NASDAQ-listed company called Asena Retail Group, and it plans to permanently close many of its 2,800 stores, although no specifics yet on which ones. And finally today, we're watching baseball. Literally, there will be real, live, new baseball games on our TVs tonight. Yankees at the Nationals, followed by Giants at the Dodgers. So I wanted to ask Tim Shovers, who has been a producer of this show since the beginning, since we started two years ago today and came to us from a sports radio world, what he's looking forward to tonight. Very simple, Dan. It's Max Scherzer against Garrett Cole, two of the best pitchers in baseball facing off in the first game. Garrett Cole is going to have a lot of eyes on him after that huge contract he signed in the offseason. Are you going to care when you watch that there are no fans in the stands? It's going to be really weird. I honestly have no idea what to expect tonight. Totally new experience. Same here. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven, have a great national vanilla ice cream day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap.